4: By the middle of the 21st century, organ failure had become a worldwide epidemic, but Geneco was there to satisfy the demand for organ replacements. Enjoy
5: Geneco's day and nighttime formula.
4: The problem is, if you miss a payment, Geneco sends out the Repo Man, and when he finds you, your
3: time is up.
1: On the Handleman account at once. This payment is passed you. everybody. Everybody, stand up. People, people, people. Everybody, everybody. Everybody. Look what I've become. It's me. She must escape.
0: Welcome to They Call This A Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Call This A Movie and find us on Twitter and Instagram at TicTampod. That's T-C-D-A-M-Pod. We are also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation, and you could find them at GVNation.com. Welcome back to They Us This Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio, and with me as always is Dan Aquino and Mark Myers. Say hello, gentlemen hey
5: friends hello i am just excited to hear uh this episode so no bit at the beginning let's just get to it i think dance seems very sad (laughs) oh
4: no not not set well it's a mixture of emotions i guess it's forlorn would that be (laughs) yeah that's not a bad one that's we haven't used that in a while if ever
0: really super mellow today mellow dan uh, but we do have a guest this week. Uh, he's a friend of the show. He shows up on Game Vault podcast all the time. So welcome to the show, Jonathan. Jonathan, Hello. thanks for coming on.
2: Hey, Dan, I'm so sorry that I, I didn't realize that you hated music so much. And so I'm I'm really sorry I subjected you to this.
4: Well, yeah. I, I think that that's, there's a, a caveat to that. I like good music, <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> there, di- if okay. that's what
4: you're getting at.
2: Okay, so we're just gonna start this fighting.
4: Uh, I, I, I I'm coming out guns blazing, man. Guns. All I, right. I, I was thinking to myself today, kind of prepping myself for the for the podcast, knowing you were gonna be on it. I was like, all right, I need to figure out a way to talk about this where Jonathan doesn't come away from the podcast hating me and thinking no, I'm a
2: so, I'm a big jerk. So, after he, Dan mentioned that um, he didn't really like this movie um he used stronger words than that but uh he mentioned that and then the first thing that i thought of is all of the sessions i ran of the abney park tabletop role playing game when i was in college and after college abney park is a steampunk band and they released a tabletop role playing game where you play as time traveling steampunk pirates hmm. and i think that's helps give some context as to why i picked this movie and why I have a lot of fondness for it. But <laughs> that is absolutely not for everybody.
4: <laughs> I, would, I would watch that movie. I would watch that movie, Jonathan. Why didn't we watch that?
2: <laughs> it's not a movie, just a band. And uh, I guess a role-playing game book.
0: Uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves here, though. costs every week we talk about what we've watched this week. So, Jonathan, why don't you start it off? Have you watched anything this week?
2: No, I don't watch TV or movies. However, I want to talk about something that I have not seen. Hell yeah, so. Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> so um, recently I was listening to people talk about um, or some listening to something and people mentioned um, Edge of Tomorrow, which is I've, I've seen all the posters and stuff like that for it. And I the slogans live, die, repeat and whatever. But I've never seen the movie. The reason I want to talk about this is because they were talking about it and they mentioned, oh, yeah, and um, it's based on a graphic novel. And I thought, that's weird. I I have no idea what graphic novel it could be based on. And they said, all you need is kill, which I have read. I read it last year, completely unaware that it had ever been adapted into anything or had any cultural significance whatsoever. It was just the I was looking at a list of comics and it was near the top because it starts with an A. So (laughs) it was fine. The the graphic novel is fine. I, I generally liked it. But I have a question about this. Okay. Does the movie Edge of Tomorrow have multiple scenes about how important it is to grind your own coffee beans in the morning?
0: That is a detail that I do not remember from the movie, but it's been quite some time since I've seen it.
5: If if you have the answer, you can tweet us at TC <laughs> on Twitter. It, it's not in the movie. Okay. It's not in the movie. That's yeah. that's like a very important plot point
2: and the climax of the whole graphic novel, so I have no idea what this movie is about, despite the fact that I read the book.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> uh, the most memorable thing I had, I remember is a very sweaty Emily Blunt doing pushups. That scene seems to happen like several times. Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Yeah. That's all I remember from that movie. And then Tom Cruise, like getting killed several times. <laughs> That's it. But uh, so you say it's a terrible adaptation because the coffee grounds, as far as we know, as far as we remember, does not play an important role. So. F plus, right. sure. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Failed miserably. <laughs> All right, uh, Dan. What about you? What did you watch this week? Anything? I did. Yes, I I, I watched two movies, and uh, I guess we'll just we'll piggyback off of Jonathan's uh, Edge of Tomorrow. With I saw Top Gun, uh, Maverick. Okay, uh, really good. I, I enjoyed it, um, but then Twitter ruined it because everyone just kept saying it's propaganda. It's propaganda.
5: I, okay but I can still enjoy it. They made it. Yeah. You mean how they made it really easy to know that the uh, fictional bad country was Iran?
4: I think they left it. Uh, they left it anonymous. It, I think it was pretty, they never said who it was and it was almost like a mixture of Russia and Iran. So I, I, I don't know who it is. They never say who it is. Um, but yeah, I, I think what I really enjoyed about the movie so much is like just the jets. The jets are pretty cool, man the stuff that they could do with those what's that
0: jets go vroom
4: jets go vroom Vroom. (laughs) that was gonna be my review of it on twitter (laughs) uh jets go vroom um no like the the stuff they did. like they were the real stars of the movie honestly like these things are going mach 8 and then they just stop on a dime and they could go up down wherever they do some pretty insane uh, insane stunts so i uh yeah i thought it was better than i i it had any uh business being really um and then the I had a surprise movie that I I loved this might be one of my favorite movies of the year oh. um is Hustle with Adam Sandler. Okay. Uh have you guys seen this movie?
5: No. No Dan, but how does it like being officially a Philadelphian
4: for like? An- oh, oh god, no, like <sighs> they barely really do anything with Philadelphia, so it's I was able to stomach it. Um well no, they actually they do a good job of like saying how the people there are very rash, uh, rational and understanding, and it's the complete opposite that they show. Um, but I, I had a reason to watch this. I, I wasn't going to watch it, but I have a family member in that movie, and I, I was looking out for them. And yeah, even though I'm not a big basketball fan, this, this movie had a lot of heart in it. And um, yeah, I, I kept thinking how we've always had the conversation around, on this podcast, Mike Myers, Dana Carvey and how time has just passed those guys by. But yep. Sandler seems to be an anomaly because he'll make bad, movies, like objectively bad movies. But then every now and then he'll let you know that he can act and he's actually pretty good at it.
5: Yeah, and it, it's
4: just, it's, it's, he's confusing. He should be studied.
5: <laughs> and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think his last, the, I think the main difference. Uh, between good and bad Adam Sandler is whether he wrote or directed the movie? Well he doesn't write or direct his movies, but well, um, you produces, know what I mean. he produces he
0: produces yeah. them, the uh, the Happy Madison label yeah. on the, the shitty movies. Um, this yeah. was
4: produced by Happy Madison this movie.
0: Well there you go. This is the oh, anomaly wow, yeah. to end all anomalies. But they, like people say exactly. that he's a good actor in movies like Uncut Gems, which he you know is not a Happy Madison production. Um and like, you know, uh, Punch Drunk Glove was his uh paul thomas anderson movie some people even say rain over me i guess some people give pass to him being a good actor in click um, mm. they haven't seen the scene in the parking lot i guess <laughs> um because <laughs> well, that is not a
4: good scene he doesn't make you know what it is he's not making any goofy noises in this movie and that's when it's serious sandler you don't get the goofy voices and he none of his buddies in this movie so, you know, it's like, all right, I need to put my work and shoes on.
0: Gotcha. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't really know much about this movie. I got to look into it and see, you know, who wrote, directed it. Um, I'd be interested to see kind of the behind the scenes stuff of that. So Dan had a week of where he's came out of it. Pro Adam Sandler and pro military
4: industrial complex. Pretty good. Pretty Guys, good week I already, I signed up for the Navy. So this was my last podcast. There you go. Uh, well, we'll see I'm, you in four I'm, years, right? Yeah,
2: I'll be, I'll be in the sky. So, I'll <laughs> wave at you guys while I fly over. Is the oh. theme song for Maverick Ivanette Niaj?
5: No,
2: no, it's not.
4: No, but th- <laughs> they do play. Uh, they do play Highway to the Danger Zone once Obviously. and only yeah. once. Yeah, only once though, and because they, they, they don't overdo it, which is good. I was very happy. <laughs> there you go okay, Mark. What did you not
0: watch?
5: What did you think about watching this week? I did not watch Top Gun Maverick. Okay. Um, this week, even though it's very much movie, I probably should have seen by now. Um, but yeah, uh, I do have a funny story that does not involve me um, that I'll share, and then we can move on to your movies. Um, so... Somebody else that went to see a movie.
4: <laughs> yes, I have yeah, a friend who went funny. and saw this one movie.
5: <laughs> no, this is actually funny. It's not me being uh, doing the bit for this, but my uh, uh, sister um, took her family to see the new Jurassic Park movie. Okay, and my brother-in-law accidentally bought tickets to the Spanish version of it nice <laughs> so I uh, she I don't know if she's too embarrassed to admit to me but she did not let me know if it was dubbed in Spanish and like subtitled in English or vice versa um but I'm, I'm going to assume it's the dubbed part if she's not telling me <laughs>
4: <laughs> did she come out of the theater speaking full Spanish
5: no oh no. that would be a great, <laughs> yeah, great ending yeah. to that story yeah, they went all the way to Wilmington, Delaware, and ended up seeing Jurassic Park in Spanish, in some form of Spanish. Is that the closest I, I theater to them? No, I have no idea why we went to Wilmington, Delaware.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah. I feel <laughs> like I feel like it's, there are multiple mistakes here.
5: Yes. Yeah. We have three theaters that are much closer. Um, yeah. It's not even
0: like it's a. They They went to Delaware because it's an independent movie.
5: <laughs> no, it's the only one
0: playing it, this movie.
5: And it's not even like an independent theater. It's a Regal um like i it just made me laugh when she said yeah so we saw she was like yeah i saw jurassic park and and i was like oh how was it she was like well it was in it was in espanol and i was just like oh so
0: so she did pick up some spanish yeah yeah there you go
5: (laughs) (laughs) go. okay (laughs) i take that back
0: there you go all right is that it is that it? that's all i had yeah. yeah that's all you got as for me i only watched one movie this week I watched, because it came out on Prime, I watched No Time to Die, the James Bond film. It's officially on Amazon Prime, if you haven't watched it. I suggest watching it. I enjoyed it. Uh, It's a pretty good conclusion to the Daniel Craig era Bond. Yep. I put a third among his Bond films. Yeah. Um, Quantum of Solace, I, I have no memory of that movie.
5: Yeah, there's only one part of that movie I remember, and it's the most like savage thing Bond has ever done.
0: Yeah, No Time to Die. Very good. It's like almost a cameo from Anna de Armas. She's in one scene. She's good in it. She's Um,
1: fantastic
0: in it. I mean, obviously, she's she's got a face for for the screen, and that's for sure. Um, And also, that Leia Seydoux, I think that's how you
5: pronounce her name? Yeah.
0: She's got some face, too. Just a good-looking yeah. woman. I don't want to... That's, like, my hot take for this week, is that she is not unattractive.
5: Yeah, they, they sort of did a good job with the quote-unquote Bond girls in the movie, um, okay. especially in, you know, the oh the errors have changed on, you know, the female actors in movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the... My favorite part, I don't know if you noticed this being... Watching it at home, but it... The pace made me not realize it was as long as it was.
0: Yeah, I was a little- uh it's almost three hours i was dreading that but no it was it was quick it felt like i watched it all in one sitting so yeah no i enjoyed it a lot i'm not a huge bond fan i think there are more bad bond films than there are good ones but this one i would consider a good one and that's it that's all i got this week i uh i still uh, have not finished stranger things season four yet before we take a break we do have some housekeeping this episode is going to air Thursday and then next week we are going to put up our June movie of the month Twitter poll. So this month we were going to do graduation slash prom movies. It is the end of June it's the end of school letting out. So we are going to do finding some shitty school movies, basically, that movies that had either graduations or proms. So Mark wanted to do a specific movie. So we're kind of doing what we did with the Nicolas Cage month, where we're picking three movies that are probably too good for this podcast, um, or at least two movies that are probably too good for this podcast. Yeah. So we decided that we're going to pit Can't Hardly Wait against 10 Things I Hate About You. And what's the third one?
5: Uh, she's All That? Is that the one She's we All That. About?
0: She's all that, the Freddie Prince Jr. But yeah, that's the one that I feel like is not too good for this podcast. Um, that, Mark's that been pod, dying to
5: get
4: Freddie Prince Jr. on this podcast.
0: Mark, Mark is every time, every, and, every chance he gets, he's got a he's got a Freddie Prince Jr. waiting the wings. Um, <laughs> and then I t- I took I took summer catch away from him, so we had to try and figure it out. <laughs> so yeah, that don't was, put that,
4: it past
5: Mark. He'll he'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Wait until you see my pick for the October. Paul, uh, is
0: it Scooby Doo? Is it oh, Scooby-Do uh, or um I know what you did last summer? I know what yeah. you did last summer. Last summer. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna change it up on you. I'm gonna horror movies that do not include Freddie Prince Jr. is gonna be the, <laughs> the theme. <laughs> uh but that's gonna check out that out next week. We'll have that poll and then on the 30th of June will be that episode. So check back. And that's it before we get into this week's movie so we're gonna take a quick break and you guys will listen some ads and we will be back in a second and welcome back now it's time to get into this week's movie and this week Jonathan picked this movie so Jonathan why don't you introduce this week's movie
2: yeah so um I already gave a little bit of background on e and liking this movie but um there's two main reasons I wanted to suggest this to y'all the first one is that i think that a good movie is one that succeeds at what it's trying to do um it doesn't have to have like quote unquote a good cinematography or writing or whatever the important thing is that they are it succeeds at the thing that the creators are trying to accomplish so this movie like i think there are many reasons that people would not like it one, it's an opera, which not everybody likes. Two, it's a very large amount of core. And three, this is also a very, very, like, this movie is very specific to a specific subculture in a specific time period. So I completely understand it not hitting. However, I think that it's obvious what the creators were trying to do and what they were wanting to make, and that this is exactly that. They obviously wanted to make a goth opera um, with a bunch of, like, fairly good actors and like everybody just it feels like every actor is really good at the part that they play and the um, setting is exactly what they want everything appears exactly the way they intended it to be and um, the things that seem goofy or campy or like cheesy are obviously intended to be that way Um, so it's sort of like a good bad movie but I don't think that's the best way to describe it the second thing, or um, and this ties in with um, what uh, y- y'all said last week about Stone Cold that you really like it, even though it's not a quote unquote good movie. Second thing is, I think. Well, I guess. Do you have any of you have any thoughts on that? Uh, what you said, or the, yeah,
0: um, I think it's an interesting idea of saying that as if it's some if it's what the creators intended then that's what makes it a good movie i think that's an interesting idea i think it's a little more a little binary for how we usually look at things here and i don't know necessarily think that we get too into the weeds of like film criticism and stuff like that we either say uh hey i did not like this movie or i did like this movie yeah but i feel like a movie like (laughs) uh, could you apply that to say something that 100% is what the creators intended. Like say two girls, one cup (laughs) that is 100% the best version of two girls, one cup and the exact idea of what those filmmakers set out to do. Does that idea extend to, to a a video we'll say,
2: or a movie it's a movie. So I guess I should have realized that that's a movie that's firmly in the like TC Tam wheelhouse. However, I have not seen that movie, and I am do not ever plan to see that movie, so I can't speak to it specifically. Okay, real quick,
4: my when because Jonathan, you had mentioned that uh, that idea before, and the, the first movie that sprang to my mind that we've covered here is um, uh, what's the dog, the dog, the the magical dog. I had it on oh, the tip of my tongue. Uh, the Wizard of Paws. Wizard of Paws. <laughs> so that movie accomplishes what it sets out to do. It it, it turns a child into a, a dog, and it's a children's movie. And it's it's still awful. Uh, I think there needs to be so many... You have to combine these components, I think, for something to be, I guess, quote-unquote, successful. Uh, but th- that's just my my take on it, because that is an interesting idea where you set out to make this movie that's a, a rock opera and they do, but I think you need a little bit more than just that. I think, cause that sets the bar too low. I think. Sure. I yeah. think,
0: I, I think there, there are parts where I disagree with your assessment, uh, especially um, I don't think this movie succeeds. like I, I think in your text, you said that the, this movie uh, succeeds at what it does. I think I don't think it succeeds in a few places that I would expect a rock opera to succeed. I don't think the, I don't think the songs are particularly well written or perform. Um, I'm not a songwriter, so I can't say why they're, but they're not particularly catchy.
4: Um,
2: that's, so that's specifically but, a lot. That's one of the things that's specific to it being an opera is that all of the dialogue is sung. And one of the problems with that is that they're not like songs and so, yeah, they're it's very rarely catchy. However, I do think the Zydrate song is catchy.
0: Uh, is that, uh, is that when he's in the the, sh- the alleys with the prostitutes?
2: Yeah, okay. that's a good song. I, I actually um, did
4: kind of like that song. And I would
0: say I saw Bill Mosley looks like he's not comfortable. I've never seen that guy less comfortable in a movie before. Like I've seen him as a, a absolute wretch in movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And has a thousand corpses, devils rejects, where he has to do some ungodly things. And this guy, he looks so uncomfortable when he's singing.
2: He's yeah, I think he's the weakest of the Largos. Sure,
0: yeah, I I think Paul Servino is more comfortable, but a bad singer, Mm -hmm. objectively bad. (laughs) I think Paul Servino is, Um, (laughs) and obviously, uh, the woman that plays uh, Mag obviously is a phenomenal singer being Mm. you know originating uh the the role of christine and phantom of the opera um i love me some goth paris hilton though yeah (laughs) um i i think there's a i think what i could say about this is it's definitely this movie definitely is one person's vision which i appreciate for that i think the this is a more interesting watch than say you know um It's like a passion project. So it's we get we sometimes watch like these very cynical mass marketed kind of comedies. And what we would usually come around and say is like, it was boring. Wasn't very funny. It was just kind of boring and a waste of my time. Can't say that with this. It's a very unique movie. Um, I I think it's a a guy's passion project because he went on he what he did. Saw he directed Saw two, three and four. And then it was like, I want my I want to make my rock opera now. And got eight and a half million dollars to do it. So <laughs> so I will give him credit for, you know, putting whatever it is that he envisioned on screen. But it just didn't it didn't 100 percent work for me, I think. Yeah, I think and- I think one of the one of the problems with this is that it was shot in 2008. And it from a technical standpoint, it's shot on looks like really low grade digital and it was a really awkward time for digital film photography um so that's like not necessarily their their fault but like the 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 filters they put on it just kind of make that weird kind of barbara walters shine to everything which i didn't love but um yeah it was it was interesting this was a movie that i had on my netflix dvd like list when i was still getting dvds from netflix for a long time and it just always kind of wound up getting uh pushed down the list so i never actually watched this movie before this but um, yeah mark what about you you haven't really
5: yeah yeah, yeah. i was
0: kind of chance to first thing
5: before i get into the movie i find it funny that we've done so many movies here that when dan said the movie with the magical dog i legitimately could not think of which movie that we have watched that involved the magical dog
1: <laughs> we've got two <laughs>
0: yeah was of to pause and uh, love on a leash technically
5: yeah and both of them could have could have fit the bill for what he was talking about. Yeah. um and, and secondly I, I agree for the most part I, I think i'm somewhere between um and 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 jonathan here um in that uh i i enjoyed the the, the spectacle of it um and seeing that they got exactly what they wanted um when especially I think they translate this from it was written as a screen as a stage play. Um at first. Um Yeah, it did so,
0: as a stage play for a
1: bit.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So it, it seems like they got to do what they wanted because a lot of it looked like would be sets um on a stage and, and it didn't um really stand like, you know, uh that part was great. Um I think the part where I'm a little more on uh ants side is is with the 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 music itself, um, I think while, you know, uh, the opera part of singing um, all the lines and stuff like that, I think the mistake they made was they put people together whose voices didn't really like fit or like they clashed a lot. I don't know if if I'm saying that correctly. Um, And they tried to do a lot of over like singing over top of each other or harmonizing and stuff. And it just didn't fit Um, specifically, you know, uh, Shiloh and, and Nathan um
2: yeah i want to really quick yeah. i want to take back the part where i said that all of the cast are good i think some <laughs> of the members of the cast are really good and i think yeah. we'll talk about that when yeah. they come up and stuff like that but not all of them and yes i think anthony had um nathan is one of the weaker people
5: yeah yeah and it was just um you know i wish because at times when they did get the right couple of people together which was oddly enough paris hilton in, in the alley scene with the guy she was sing, going back and forth with um yeah fit together well. Um, Like when they hit on those moments, I was really into it. I'm really enjoying what they were doing, but yeah, the times I got taken out of it was the, the clashing. um, And sometimes some people didn't know how to sing, talk um, lines and stuff. Um, And yeah, yeah. I felt that, you know, with, with a couple more, maybe just one or two, uh, you know, more people that like got that the movie may have been better overall, but It gets my one stamp of approval on my side is that I uh, I rarely uh, check my phone while watching it. Um, So I was engaged the entire time, which which is a always a thumbs up for the movies we watch for this podcast.
4: You guys are way too forgiving of this movie.
5: (laughs) (laughs) And I'll say right before Dan talks five minutes in, even after hearing his comment, I was like, this is so not a Dan movie
4: no i don't think this should be an anyone movie to be honest with you and based by based off of the uh the returns it wasn't um yeah i oh boy there's two people who could sing well in this movie two people that belong in this type of movie it's the the grave robber and blind man okay everyone everyone else go away not not not
2: good i felt like i felt like
0: anthony head was in a different rock opera there were times when he was singing. it was like i think he thinks he's in rent (laughs) and i thought he was the guy from rent for a little bit um and then like and then to juxtapose that against like blind mag singing her her swan song at the end because i think they i think it's back to back that he has a song and then she has a song it's like this movie is a mess like it's it's very all over the place in terms of that aesthetic to it um because I didn't think he was necessarily a bad singer. He just wasn't in the right movie.
4: And, and one, one more thing, um, Anthony, you, you touched on the, uh, how, how the movie was shot. And it had this... I, I didn't like the blue sheen it had to it or like the really red sheen. So it, it was just one way or the other. And it, it was kind of hard to really focus on it. Uh, I think they really were trying to make the Repo Man kind of an iconic horror uh, character. And I don't, I don't really I, I don't think they they succeeded in that. Right. Because it's, it's a weird looking it's a weird looking character. I thought there was going to be more because th- why, why is there one repo man? Shouldn't it be repo men? I mean, you get a lot of more work done.
2: Definitely. Sure. There, I think it definitely seems like they're saying that there are multiple repo men. It's just that we only care about this specific one. Like the story okay. is only about the specific one. And you would think Geneco so
4: th- would afford be able to afford at least two, right? They're they're the leading the leading company in organ transplants and all that. Uh, so in in twenty fifty six, the only way to get someone an organ is to take it from someone else. No, are so
2: I. One of the things that's interesting to me about this movie is how it's just like not futuristic at all. Like most of the things in this movie are just things that were happening, like two years after the movie came out, um, like the opioid crisis was Mm -hmm. happening, like at this time. And this movie is about that. Like it, it's just literally what was happening that doctors over prescribed painkillers for surgeries Mm -hmm. and they were very expensive medications. And so the pharmaceutical companies made a lot of money and so they wanted to keep going, but it's illegal drugs. And so there's a lot of crackdown. Yeah. It's just what's in the movie. And like, they didn't change anything. It's not a, what if, um, or like an exaggerated scenario. It's just the thing that was happening. Um, But part of that is, I don't think it's that they, um, with the organ transplants, I started, or when I was watching it this time, I noticed in the beginning, they say that like, there's an epidemic of organ failures, but outside of the intro, that doesn't really come up. And other than that, it seems like it's just, again, the thing that happened in American healthcare at the time, where, where, Transplants are really expensive and the medication to um, that you need after you have a transplant is really expensive. And so if you lots of people have to get payment plans, if they can't pay, then in the movie, the um, company will kill you and take your organs. Well, also, the the
4: repo man, the repo man doesn't know what an organ is, apparently, because he rips out some dude's spine.
2: (laughs) I mean, I guess they could do spine transplants, but I think it's it's 2056. You know, I think. Yeah. Um, well,
4: why, my my point is, why not just they, they can't grow a uh, an organ? Well, well, well I mean, GMO's not. Yeah, it's
2: just interesting. The thing that right? happens. Sorry, go ahead.
4: I was going to say we're doing that now. Like we're growing organs, so you'd think that in twenty fifty six they'd have some sort of. But you're right because it's it's not really futuristic. There, it's more steampunk. It's not GMO's well, business nope.
2: model. So what I mean is that what happens in the real world is that transplant medication is really expensive. If you can't pay for it, then you stop getting transplant medication, your body rejects your organs, you die, and you're likely an organ donor, because you know that transplants are really important. So the hospital takes your organs and then gives them to somebody else, charges a large amount of money for them, and they have payment plans. And so that's the thing is that it's not just that they're repossessing the one organ that you had transplanted it, sorry, in the movie. It's not that they're just repossessing the one organ that you got transplanted. It's that they're taking all of your organs. So they give you a kidney, and then if you can't pay, then they get like your liver, your heart, your kidneys, your spine, whatever that we they can. We never see anyone
4: working else. in this movie. We don't know. Does anyone work? We have no idea. If there's like a job market in this in this
2: world, <laughs> we see the repo man working.
4: <laughs> That's it. Yeah, he's just sure. like. He's just taking everybody's spines and and uh, large intestines. Uh, his,
0: yeah. his business is booming for him. I, <laughs> there, I, I will say that there are a couple of interesting moments that I kind of liked towards the ends. Um, I thought the the finale of Blind Mag was interesting.
1: Yeah,
0: um, oh. how how she made an exit. I thought that was interesting. Um, and then the the finale, I guess, when you know the Munchausen by proxy kind of. Comes up at an, not necessarily nowhere, um, but when that comes up. Yeah.
4: I think it was an l- interesting last 20 minutes or so.
5: Yeah, I think I think the last act is definitely the best part of the movie.
4: You know what I think would have been, to, to me, a little bit more interesting, or I think it might have flowed a little better with this movie? If you make the Repo Man, um, uh, the guy from Buffy, right? What's his name? Uh, Anthony Head. If you make him the sole main character, and you take away the daughter. I, I think the daughter you lift out and you have the repo man. Maybe he's trying to get out of the repo business and you follow that journey instead of uh, him and the daughter. But essentially, I kind of checked out at some points because I <laughs> I was not feeling this movie. Uh, Paul Servino is trying to marry Shiloh, correct? No, no. OK, so what he... is he getting Shiloh for? He
0: want, he wants her to be his heir, essentially, because he thinks his three um, his three children are useless and he wants to leave Jean Coat to her. Sort of like he feels like that's the daughter he was supposed to have with Marnie, more or less, because okay. um, Nathan Cause that stole was the... Nathan stole Marnie from him. So he I guess he feels some attachment to Shiloh as Marnie, the last you know, remaining part of Marnie that's still alive. So he takes a liking to her in terms of a father daughter relationship. Although they could probably could have uh, expanded on that a little bit. Um, and he, his plan at the end is, is to have him have her take over Jean Co. Okay.
4: Yeah. It, I, I, I thought the, I, for some reason I thought there was something in the newspaper about him marrying an underage girl. But maybe that was that was just a different headline. Uh, yeah. So I mean, regardless, I think the the Repo Man to me is a better character to follow because like he's just trying to get out of it. Or you know, then he goes. He, you could have him killing the whole the whole family, the the Ginko family, the Largo family. That would be. I would like to see him kill Paul Servino, and that would that be, would be ex-
2: that would be an extremely different movie.
4: Yeah. I, uh, yeah. And but you could keep the rock opera part.
0: Just I, I think any- I think the plot here kind of, um, you know, uses tropes from operas here. So it's that's probably part of it of why, you know, because I, yeah, I feel okay. like everybody dies at the end of an opera and everything is revealed of, you know, who's been fooling who and all that kind of stuff. I'm not huge into opera, but I feel like that's a thing. So think- you
4: guys were saying that in an opera, because like Les Mis, they sing everything, right? Mm hmm. So even when they're talking, they're they're sing talking. But here they kind of go back and forth because sometimes, uh, most of the time, time, they're singing.
0: I think everything is every piece of dialogue is
4: sung in this. Is it? I thought there was a few times where they were kind of well, maybe I mistook it for just yelling. I think there.
2: I think you're right that there's like a couple very short parts where they just talk, but a lot of the dialogue is just sung.
4: Okay. I know Bill Milton. Bill Mosley yells at people a lot. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. it
0: is set to a uh, a backing tr- like a an underscore, yeah. though.
5: Yeah. yeah, it's it was just really difficult to to follow at times with that. I, I I think the interesting thing I read on this was in the trivia is is the the confidence the filmmaker had with it being a patch project and understand that this movie is like the middle chapter of a trilogy he wrote. Oh, um, no, so, yeah. And he, he was going to, if this made money, they, he was going to release the first as like a prequel as the next movie mm. Um to explain, I guess, Nathan, Marnie, uh, Roddy, that was like Roddy. Um, yeah. I, Roddy, don't,
2: I don't think you need to explain anything, but I understand how you would do that. Yeah. I,
5: I, I
4: was just thinking
2: with Jonathan, what you said earlier,
4: you you would be like the best demographic for a lot of these directors who, who don't make good movies. Because to them, they'd be like, I just need to, to kind of accomplish what I set out to, to do. And they're going to love it. And I, I think that's a really... That's so, a, it's almost like a sweet way of looking at movies. Because a lot of people don't look at movies that
2: way. The, what I was trying to get at with that thing I said in the beginning is not that like, I like every movie where the director does what they were intending to do. But instead, it's that a lot of times I'll hear people um, say, oh, yeah, I really like this movie, even though, you know, like, it's not like a good movie and stuff. And then they're talking about like a comedy that's funny. And it's like, no, it's a good movie. If it's if it's supposed to be funny and it is funny, then like that's that's good. That's what makes it good. It doesn't need to be a like high budget drama with spectacular effects. Mm-hmm. Um that's all I, that's the main thing I was trying to get with, at with that. <laughs>
4: I, I actually, I had that conversation a couple weeks ago. Some, someone I know mentioned uh, Half Baked. I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a great movie. i like, I don't think it's a very good movie. I mean, it's kind of funny. It's funny. I wouldn't necessarily, necessarily say it's a good movie, but so maybe that's where they were coming from where you're like, oh no, it's, it's supposed to be funny. It's a comedy. It doesn't have to be, you know, Oscar worthy and just, you kind of go from there
5: yeah Yeah. Yeah, i I also find it funny that um of a group of four people in a family singing in a movie paris hilton may be the best singer
2: (laughs) yeah i i guess we can talk mention this really briefly so in this movie paris hilton plays a spoiled rich heiress who's very superficial and she does a really good job in that role um, yeah, the I she
4: was tr- is born to play.
2: <laughs> I was trying to look up if Paris Hilton herself had had any um, plastic surgery, and there were a number of articles from last year. Apparently, she gave an interview where she swore that she had absolutely never had any form of plastic surgery, and I so I don't think I really knew anything about her at the time. But um, the stuff I was reading said that like she started becoming famous for being famous um, when she was nineteen. And that's really fucked up that you're 19 years old and people are talking about how um, self-obsessed you are and stuff like that. Yeah. And expecting you to be a major like celebrity celebrity, despite you not necessarily wanting that and not having like done anything to try yeah. to do that. Yeah.
4: I mean, you know, I would be lying if I say I wasn't one of those people in the early 2000s, who was like, oh, she's just, you know for Paris Hilton she's just uh famous because of the name and all that but yeah i th- i think that's a, it's a good indication of how some people grow over time right cuz now i don't really i saw her on in repo the genetic opera i was like oh yeah i remember paris hilton trying to get into acting that's that's cool and she wasn't terrible in this i
2: i don't think she was a very good singer but she wasn't the worst i yes i agree that she's not that she's not a great singer but she's not bad, and her character is supposed to be somebody who wants to be a great singer, even though she's, like, very much not. So, right. I, sure. yeah, I thought that she really, it was a good casting choice that she is not a great singer.
4: <laughs> so, my question to you guys is, Now we're talking about singers, who's the worst singer in this group? Who would you guys say? Were... I thought
2: it was Paul Servino. I, yeah, yeah, I, thought... I, I think Bill Mosley. Even though he doesn't really have any singing, his he doesn't do his much, line too. deliveries are all just it's, not yeah. great. Not great. Yeah. I, okay. So, Paul um, Bill Mosley plays Luigi, and his thing is that he's angry. And I was watching him, and I was like, "Man, how is it that you couldn't find somebody to pull to pull off being an angry man? You can't find <laughs> yeah. somebody better to be an angry man, really, in a movie." He just needs to be he just needs to yell. And this guy is not good at that.
0: Yeah, it's, not in this not in this setting, I would say, because he is he's frightening in in the, the Rob Zombie movies that he's in. And he does that well. He's not he's not over the top. He's not loud. He's not loud, like bombastic about it. But he is a scary character, I would say. But in here, he like I said, he's uncomfortable. He's uh, a fish out of water really. when He's not supposed to be. And I think it yeah. really just comes down to he was like, he's like friends with the director. So he kind of like did him a favor, even despite the fact that he's kind of shoehorned into this. Moment. I think
4: it's bullshit that he doesn't have a uh, Italian accent.
0: <laughs> speaking but Pavi does, right?
2: Yeah, speaking of that I was going to say, Pavi is fantastic. He's definitely got
4: a cool look to him. Was yeah, oh, he he's... the guy with the, the, the face? The faces, atta- yes. He looks like the Joker pretty much, right?
3: And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
4: It's his face off and then for some reason staples it back on. Uh, yes.
2: You know, that joker. <laughs> yeah. He he just really pulls off being extremely creepy.
4: Yeah.
0: He no, that was an interesting this. look. Yeah. I kind of wish this was just a vehicle for like a my
2: chemical romance rock opera.
4: <laughs> it would have it would have fit perfectly cuz they were big in the in the early 2000s.
2: Yeah. I think that would be the bigger budget version of this movie.
0: Sure. Yeah. Or like Brandon wow. Uri as the gravedigger, digger so it's a panic at the disco. <laughs>
1: yes. Cuz the opera feels casting.
0: like the 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 opera feels like a panic at the disco music video.
4: <laughs> they should have collaborated. It should have been almost uh, like like some vignettes essentially. Yeah. I'd watch that version,
2: but i also yeah. watch this one so. Danger Days is probably that, right? I haven't Did they make a movie of that or is know. it just the album? Yeah. Al- anyway, sure. yeah.
0: I'm I'm reaching my limit of my panic at the disco knowledge. Oh, I <laughs>
2: that's my chemical romance.
0: Oh, okay. Then I've reached my limit of my chemical romance. Uh, but Repo The Genetic Opera from 2008 is directed by Darren Lynn Bousman, director of Saw 2, 3, and 4, and Spiral 2, as well as a few other horror movies. It stars Paul Servino, Anthony Head, Alexa Penavega, Sarah Brightman, Paris Hilton, Bill Mosley, Kevin Ogilvy, Terrence Zedunik, and Sarah Power. IMDb score of 6.4 and a Rotten Tomato score of 40%. Budget. $8.5 million box office, $188,000 worldwide. Um, yeah. I don't think anybody expected this movie was going to make money except for maybe Darren Lynn will Bousman if he had plans for, for a trilogy.
4: Now but. was this movie what you guys thought it was going to be when, like, before watching it? Cause I thought I didn't, I, first of all, I, I didn't know it was an like a full on opera. I just thought it was a catchy name. Like, oh, that's that name really pops out at you, the genetic opera. I, I kind of thought it was just gonna be your typical slasher movie. Mm, I feel like they never lie to you when
0: they say when they call something an opera.
4: That's a good point, right? <laughs>
0: oh, there's <laughs> I've not, never there's been no reason fooled. to put that I've in never, there. I've never been fooled by something being called okay, an
2: opera and I, just like not. I have a fun story about this. So <laughs> my a couple of years ago, my mom sent me some like two DVDs that she had left over. They were not movies that I cared about or anything like that. She was just cleaning out her house and she had movies and she thought, I'm going to send these two to Jonathan. I'm going to send these three to Anthony. My brother's named Anthony. Um, And so we get these two movies in the mail. And I was like, I think this is the non-musical version of Phantom of the Opera. And Jackie was like, that's ridiculous. Why they would never make a non-musical version of Phantom (laughs) of the Opera. The whole the thing people like about that is the songs. Why would you take the songs out? And one night I like I went to bed before her and so she started watching it. And the next morning she was like, oh, my God, it was a non-musical version of Phantom of the Opera. Why would you do that? (laughs) (laughs) Nobody wants that. Wow. Which one is that? That's not like the most
0: recent one, is it? No, it's from like the 90s. Okay. Not the not, not the two thousand and four one with Gerard Butler, right? I don't know. No. It's no, that, a that musical romantic that... drama
5: film. I, I was gonna say we should we should go to our Gerard Butler expert to see Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you no know, anyway. they're singing in that one.
2: Anyway, so there is one time that a thing is label a movie is labeled as an opera and it is not that. Those at masters. least that I'm aware of.
0: <laughs> All right. You guys wanna get into plot?
5: Let's do it. Yeah, yes,
0: Dan. The do answer have, is we yes. We don't have Dan. to Yes. We don't
4: have to sing it, do we? Oh, that would no. have been
0: a good idea for an episode. But Jen wanted I, um... me
4: to sing my review. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jen's got a lot of great ideas for a person that does not want to show up on this podcast.
4: She has anything that I say that is even remotely funny is basically from Jen's mouth. <laughs> it's, it's all Jen. And, and yeah, she, she wants none of the fame.
0: She's my <laughs> ghostwriter. Right. Uh, Dan, what do you got for us this week?
4: Going to give a quick shout out to our friends Tia and Brittany and their podcast, The Top 10 with Tia. Go follow them on Twitter at TC underscore start and at 80 bitty Brit. You could also find their podcast at geekvibesnation.com.
0: Okay, great. And we're going to take a quick break and you guys listen some ads from friends of the podcast and we'll be right back.
5: Subscribe to the best little horror house in Philly, and I'll see you, boils and ghouls, over there.
0: And welcome back now. It's time to get into the plot for Repo, the genetic opera. We open on a comic panel opening, giving us a brief explanation of the world around us. It's the future. There's an epidemic of organ failures. Millions die, causing chaos. Through that, Geneco steps in, making the upfront cost of transplants quote-unquote affordable with payment plans. Barati Largo successfully lobbies Congress to be able to repossess transplanted organs from those that are unable to pay. There's also some sort of painkiller called Zydrate, which is expensive and addictive, which also has caused a black market knockoff to be created by harvesting Zydrate from dead bodies, which they don't really go into f- extreme detail about why they could get it from dead bodies but it it, it's just there and now surgery is also a fashion statement which is kind of like crimes of the future the Nick cronenberg movie i saw last week um but anyway roddy largo paul servino also has a bunch of shitty kids and there's a repo man specifically sent in to extract the organs i think there's my notes say a team of repo men so this is answering your question before dan specifically sent in to extract the organs because i think mm-hmm. they they do set up that there are multiples
4: now like again like when i when i'm saying you, you should follow the, the main character should have just been the repo man where he, like he has to kind of go up against his fellow repo men to get
2: to uh paul servino you you want this to be a superhero movie, Dan. Uh, At the very well, least, the raid. Oh, the
4: raid's a good movie though.
0: <laughs> we should just watch the raid. Okay.
4: <laughs> Guys, why don't we just let's let's scrap this podcast and go watch the raid.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean there's comic panels here, Dan. That didn't, you know, wet your whistle.
4: Oh, no, that actually annoyed the fuck out of me. Because th- the first time they show it is interesting. The third and fourth time they show it kind of annoying. But wouldn't it be weird to only have it just once? No, I'd rather just <laughs> like you have it the one time. It sets everything up and then you you have the movie. That's it. Gotcha. I don't need to keep going back. It it's 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 not a comic book. It right. I feel like that only works well in comic book format.
0: Okay. I guess it was just a way to give you information in a short amount of time.
4: Right.
2: Yeah, I I feel like it's a good method for giving you plot exposition that you don't have the awkward stuff of characters telling each other things that they both already know and whatever. But Mm -hmm. but Dan says no, because Dan hates Uh, comic books. Got it. That's right. Well, he hates music.
0: Mark hates (laughs) art, which also includes music. So
5: and comic books
0: and comic books. And obviously he doesn't watch movies. So we know where he stands on that.
5: I just I just do this for the paycheck. That's why I didn't like.
0: Mark is staunchly in the camp that video games aren't art, so he can like them.
5: Yeah.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel bad for Mark because they were just. uh, I think they were just categorized
5: as art. Give give me a game that's more dewy and less talky. That's what I would say.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He can't hold that skip button any harder (laughs) when it gets to those cinematics soundtrack. Uh, No, thank
4: you. This music off all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> Mark goes right to the, uh, the 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 main menu, switches off everything. Uh, once the comic
0: panels end, we're reminded that this is a rock opera as a Chris Angel mind freak looking dude sing talks to us about the Repo Men as we watch the Repo Men chase down a woman and cut her heart out. Then our title screen gives way to some two thousand eight era CG as we sweep over the city that is looked down on by the Co. Tower. The Gene Co. headquarters, two women with shotguns and sunglasses hand Roddy a dossier that shows pictures of his kids in precarious situations. And his doctor comes in to tell Roddy that he has terminal cancer, so one of the women in sunglasses shoots the doctor in the head for his troubles.
4: And Roddy kind goes of, That's kind of uh the wrong thing to do, right? If you're if you're someone's dying, you
2: kinda of want the doctor to help, you know. I I don't I don't know how to Yeah, that's supposed to be an indication to us that he is a bad guy. <laughs>
4: well he's a billionaire we know he's a bad guy that's true
2: yeah
0: um but yeah i mean i guess when you have terminal cancer it's like well nothing you could do so might as well shoot my my doctor you know as people think okay uh it's a very emotional time for roddy largo i don't know
2: probably not thinking clearly
0: then roddy goes into the elevator with his female guards and paul servino sort of sings about who would inherit the company
2: Yeah. So during the break, I listened to this part again, and I from this song, I see what you guys are talking about, about Paul Sorvino being a bad singer. I think this is a really bad first impression. I think his songs in the end of the movie are much better, but just like the way he does this one is not good.
0: Yeah, I think he he gives the bravado of like he's a good singer and he knows what opera is supposed to sound like. Yeah, I just don't think he's particularly accomplished at doing so. um meanwhile a goth girl sits down in a mausoleum only to immediately stand up to go chase some sort of glowing flying scorpion i don't remember this from but it happens i I guess i truth be told i watched this movie in three 30 minute increments over the span of three days Uh, (laughs) you gotta just power through it (laughs) meanwhile chris angel mind freak pulls a body out of its grave to extract the counterfeit Zydrate, and he sings about it and then he screams which he alerts the guards at the cemetery because Grave Robin is even more illegal, seeing as how this is now cutting into Gene Co's profits. Chris Angel and the Goth Girl hide in a mausoleum so Chris Angel could extract more Zydrate, but then he gets to the part where he screams at the same part of the song, which then alerts the guards once again.
5: Qu- I do like how when he goes into the one area, his face is like he hit the jackpot when he sees the mass grave of bodies.
0: Oh, yeah. Forgot
4: about that. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Just like, ooh, baby. Then when, Roddy, when you die... Then... I'm sorry, when you die, aren't you embalmed? Not in 2056. Oh, they. so are we saying that... Right, because they pretty much that renders everything useless inside you, correct? I've never died before, so I don't know.
0: I mean, I don't know what Zydrate is. They never explain what they're extracting to make counterfeit Zydrate.
2: I I don't think it matters that they get it from dead bodies, other than the fact that they get to set scenes in graveyards like this. Pretty much, um, yeah. Which is... A setting that they want to use
1: yeah
0: i feel like it was like adrenochrome the fake uh thing from uh, F- fear and loathing in las vegas or from someone's
4: adrenal gland mm. it's what was it in um in bioshock oh adam adam this is a little bit like adam i guess but that's like genetic shit isn't it i don't
2: know yeah i don't know i i again i don't think it's important
0: <laughs> then Roddy, who's watching this all on closed-circuit television, tells the guards to let them go, and the goth girl faints. She wakes up in her ho- in her room, and we realize her goth hair is actually a wig, and her dad comes in to tell her that he can't stand it if he were to ever lose her, because he lost her mother to a blood disorder that this goth girl, Shiloh, inherited. So once her dad leaves, Shiloh sings about how she wants to be able to go outside and not be trapped in her room, so this is basically Rapunzel's st- type of story. Then we backtrack to Shiloh's dad's story, told once again in comic panels and how he met Marnie, Shiloh's mom. When she was pregnant, Marnie got sick and Nathan thought he had invented a cure for her, but he literally invented the exact opposite and winds up killing her with his supposed cure.
5: Yeah, I his think man... the, the one thing they do as this movie goes along, and maybe I appreciate it and it's not accurate, but I like how they slowly, like in terms of the story-wise, peeled back layers of the story. Um, on there like when they did each person's like little comic panel it was basically around the same situation but each time you got one you got like a little bit more of what was going on in there and i thought that was an interesting way again it's a lot better than people you know as jonathan said talking to each other about things they actually already know um i thought it was a nice interesting way to do that
0: Mm -hmm. yeah um but he manages to cut shiloh out before the mother dies so then Nathan sings about how much he misses Marnie, and now Shiloh is the only thing that he has in the world, and he can't let her leave. He then moves his fireplace to reveal a hidden laboratory, I'm going to call it laboratory, where he does experiments, uh, we assume. And he announces himself as, a, as Repo, a legal assassin. And back at Gene Co., the Largo Kids get their introduction song. It's like Succession, but with Bill Moseley, one half of Skinny Puppy, and Paris Hilton. Mosley is Luigi, who's the oldest and sort of the id of the group. Song just deals with, he just sees holes and wants to fuck them. Uh, as I mentioned, I've seen Bill Mosley be heinous characters in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, Devil's Rejects houses of a thousand corpses, and I've never seen him more uncomfortable than he looks when he's singing in this
1: movie.
4: Yeah, he, Paracel- I think he, he puts a, a dead person's face on another person in Devil's Rejects, and somehow he, he comes off as more insane in this. Yeah. Yeah. Paris Hilton is Amber Sweet
0: and 100% would do this version of Paris Hilton without remorse. (laughs) That's in my notes.
4: All right. (laughs) Wait, wait. Okay. uh, Are you saying Um, you asked me? (laughs) I just just want to make sure I heard that correctly. Anthony, you said you would do this version of Paris Hilton without remorse? (laughs) Yes, I did. (laughs) That's an interesting thing. I don't think you've ever written anything like that in in your notes. (laughs) That's why I'm very surprised to read it. (laughs) Were, so did you were you like lucid when you did this?
0: Um, you know, it was probably Sunday, so I probably had a few few drinks. Oh, man, the real Anthony's mm. coming out. I know. Kevin O'Gilvy plays Pavi, the brother that has decided wearing someone's face is a fashion statement. And Amber has about 10 seconds of screen time in which she punches Luigi in the dick, then leaves, leaving Luigi and Pavi to sing about how their dad is going to leave the company to them. So it's exactly like Succession. We're back with Amber, who's watching TV when she gets a call on her smartwatch from Roddy, telling her to meet him at her mother's tomb. And then we get more comic panels as we learn Roddy's story. He was in love with Marnie before she met Nathan. He was always jealous. So when she got sick and Nathan was trying to find a cure, he paid someone to put poison in his mixture and wound up killing Marnie on purpose. Roddy meets with Shiloh. And has his guards force her into his limo and then tells her that he'd like to bring her to the, I think that's the Italian fair, I think, because I think my notes are wrong. Um, meanwhile, Nathan is is in his labo- laboratory repossessing organs from his latest victim, singing about how thankless his job is and also using his victim like a puppet. We then go to Sanitarium Square where they're having an Italian res- re- renaissance festival and we meet up with the Largo Kids again, where Pavia's... Is getting a new face put on. Luigi stabs a guy over bad espresso, and Amber argues with Blind Mag, the diva of the genetic opera, about who would replace her in the opera when Mag decides to leave. Amber wants it to be her, and Blind Mag is the voice of Gene Co., played by Sarah Brightman, opera singer, of the original Catherine in Broadway's Phantom of the Opera, and the ex wife of Andrew Lloyd Webber. Roddy shows up with Shiloh and tells all his kids to scram, and then introduces Shiloh to Blind Mag another comic strip as we learn blind mag's story 17 years ago she was best friends with marnie back when marnie was dating roddy mag was blind and roddy worked it out to give mag the ability to see but in return she'd basically be the indentured servant of gene co we cut back to the fair as roddy and mag cut the ribbon on the opera and shiloh gets pushed into some sort of surgery tent Meanwhile, nathan goes out to repossess another organ from someone with a past due account and he and Shiloh get messages on their smartwatches that tell them it's time for Shiloh to take her medicine. So they both sing about how whether or not Nathan needs to come home, with Shiloh telling him he's she's fine. They both hang up, and then Chris Angel Mindfreak comes into the tent that Shiloh is in and ushers her out, telling her to come with him. Meanwhile. Roddy gets interviewed by someone and asks him their secrets, so Roddy introduces his daughter Amber to talk about Zydrate, and she winds up being a no-show. So then we get another comic strip. Interstitial gives us some more information regarding Amber and a possible addiction to surgeries or street Zydrate. Uh, Chris Angel Mindfreak takes Shiloh to the streets, and they run into a bunch of prostitutes that are also addicted to street Zydrate. Chris Angel sings about how those that are into the surgeries use Zydrate to numb the pain, and then an Amber Sweet shows up to get her fix of xydrate ahead of her next surgery. Chris Angel then tells us about the fine print of Blind Mag's contract that if she was to
4: leave Ginko, Roddy could repossess her eyes. Shiloh, the one thing you know, I, I I I'm sorry. There's one thing about this movie they don't really show a whole lot of the uh, like genetic modifications. I, th- I think they, they, like Blind Mag has those eyes that can kind of do the, uh, the hologram. Um, mm-hmm. and the, the, the one son ha- is doing the whole Joker face thing. But d- is there any other like big ones? I think like someone h- wears like a gas mask, but I don't know if that's a modification really. No, I, 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 I don't, don't remember seeing of, anything. Was big. that
0: Shiloh? Wasn't Shiloh wearing the gas mask? Cause she was, she has the blood disorder,
4: quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. So. Hey it's not a whole lot of right.
2: I, I agree that there's no like transhumanism stuff in this. Really? It seems like budget, all of the organs think? people are get are, are all of the organs people get are like normal organs to replace ones that are failing, or it's just normal cosmetic surgery stuff.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I it, I would have liked to have seen some more liberties taken. Maybe, uh, I don't know what, like what would have been interesting in this time period. I don't know. Like maybe like an arm or, half the face is something different hey, just take some liberties with it have some fun with it
2: well that's more like the um Cronenberg movie you were talking about right Aaron? yeah
0: yeah definitely where they get like uh just like cut up their own faces for some reason and just comes a fashion statement and then people are giving themselves organs that can digest plastic because that's that was that movie I feel like I like this movie more <laughs> um but yeah, I feel like the yeah, I the whole hologram oh. eye thing was kind of like out of place because they don't really do it again. They probably could have lifted it right out of this movie, and this movie would be exactly the same. Yeah, they I, only
4: they use it what once or twice, right? They show it off. I yeah. feel like yes, yeah, just when she she goes to Shiloh's house, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, maybe again, maybe it was a budgetary thing. Like we can't really show too much. Like Jonathan was saying, it's really just stuff that it's in your it's inside you. They don't really
3: mm-hmm.
4: they don't really show you much.
2: Yeah, I mean, it feels... At first, I thought it seems like a stylistic choice that just that they don't want to do... They want it to be about, like, people are dying because of normal organ transplants not being able to afford them instead of, like, getting wild enhancements. Um, Mm -hmm. But if that's the case, then it is weird that, like, Blind Mag has, like, special super eyes and whatever.
4: Well, now, (laughs) think think of it this way, Jonathan. How much cooler would it have been... If Blind Mag's eyes shot laser beams out of them, boom. <laughs> yeah, I I get that you wish
2: this was a completely different movie, Dan. Dan <laughs> w-
0: now wants us to be X-Men.
2: <laughs> he had already <laughs> said he wanted it to be a superhero movie, but without comic book panels. Yes.
4: Now, now, I'm not saying that you can't you can't say that I'm trying to make this a comic book movie. I'm just saying laser beams from the eyes could be cool.
0: <laughs> comic book panels don't make it dark and gritty, and that's what that's what's in with the comic book movies days. That's, Dan, true, that's what true. Dan likes anyway. <laughs> yeah, like the...
5: and I guess the point with the um, the organs not having much transhumanism, as, as Jonathan said, is because I think it's that cycle Jonathan was talking about earlier. It's about people being desperate enough to agree to these surgeries to therefore get the medicine and you know sort of that 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 cycle to just get gene co paid. And if you give people augments that maybe make them a little bit stronger a little bit whatever there's the chance that you know they could maybe take over or do something better with their lives that the point is to just keep them in debt so that jinko keeps making money i think it's
2: less that and more that the thing starts with by saying there's an epidemic of organ failures and so like they already have super high demand they don't need to like make a better product to try to convince people to buy it
4: Sure. I'm going to be honest with you after looking at the state of the city that they're in, I think I'd rather just die.
0: <laughs> that's why that's why uh, Roddy killed his uh, his doctor. He's like, "Ah, that's fine." <laughs> right.
4: He yeah, he but... did the doctor a a service actually. <laughs> the, at least the doctor's family
2: coil, the doctor's family decided not to press charges. they were like, "Actually, he's in a better place." <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: Can you get us next, please? Thank you. <laughs> There's just street magicians running
0: around the city tailing, stealing Zydrate.
4: And <laughs> just like random old people in like weird getups. This isn't <laughs> a fun place to be in. Shiloh and Chris Angel hitch
0: a ride on a garbage truck, and then Shiloh jumps off and heads home. She walks into the house and runs upstairs to bed as her dad comes home too, but he immediately gets a call from Roddy to come to the Gene Co. offices. So he goes there and Roddy tells him the next job is to repossess Mags' eyes but Nathan doesn't want to do it because Mag was Marnie's best friend. So Roddy and his children sing a song to guilt Nathan into doing it by reminding Nathan that he killed Marnie, as well as egg Nathan on to repossess from some poor schmuck right there. At the end, Nathan walks out telling Roddy to find someone else to do the job. Mag goes to Shiloh's house to see her and tell her that she is her godmother. Shiloh begrudgingly lets her in, and they talk about how they are both prisoners in their own lives, and Mag tries to convince Shiloh to live her life also shows off her hologram eyeballs. Yeah,
5: I, going back slightly to the uh, the times when the Repo Man takes the organs, I know technically they're supposed to just be talking and not singing. If this was like real, like in the real version, um, mm-hmm. I but just imagine if they he actually did sing all the time. Your your last moments on the Earth is this crazy man with a knife running around singing at you um, <laughs> before he cuts your organs out. I don't know if that's that's better or worse. Way to go out. Uh, I think there's
4: something to be said if your killer is showing that much glee. I think it becomes more terrifying. Sure.
5: It, it's one of those things like Pat Oswalt mentions about dying in the apocalypse. It's one of those things you could uh, talk to who, wherever you go after death. They're just like, How, oh, did he get you? What song did he sing? Yeah. <laughs>
0: um. Then Nathan comes home and Mag says she, that Nathan told her that Shiloh died. He tries to usher Mag out of the house because Shilo because of Shiloh's sickness. Shiloh tries to convince her dad to let Mag hide out in the house because she's in danger, but he doesn't listen and ushers Mag out of the house. Shiloh tells her dad that Mag might get her eyes repossessed, and he tells her not to worry about it, and then she sings a song about being a rebellious teen, and Joan Jett shows up to play guitar in fantasy of having a rock concert in Shiloh's bedroom. And, he's, and then, then Nathan just slaps the shit out of her and knocks <laughs> her out of her fantasy and out of consciousness. His his very own Sean Connery moment.
4: Yep. Didn't, didn't this guy have Anthony had? Didn't he have some like really bad problems in the past few years? Um, I don't know.
2: I have not heard anything about him since this movie, so I have oh, no okay. idea.
4: I'm thinking about the father from Seventh Heaven. Oh yes. yeah, <laughs> much different. <laughs> so well, yes, they were, both, they were both on in the nineties. So on the you know, CW, on the CW, yes, uh, yeah. He he had some big issues, right? <laughs>
5: yeah,
4: some, that's, some that's like saying say.
5: it really wildly. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think I think it was just like a a couple of like uh, moving violations. Yeah.
4: Oh, okay. unpaid, unpaid parking, parking tickets. tickets. <laughs> <laughs> the law came down on him. Yeah. Meanwhile, Ashton Roddy free that guy.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, Roddy is dealing with his own rebellious daughter as Amber shows up to complain about how she was maimed by her latest surgery and blames her dad for it. He Says she's never going to sing now, and he tells her she's a disgrace to the family for changing her name from Largo to Sweet. And he sees what he what she looks like after her new surgery, and he relents and says he's going to have his doctors fix up her busted face. Uh, those were my words, not his. Um, <laughs> Amber, sad. I don't Lee... remember
4: him being so crude. Yeah,
0: I would not do this version of Parasolton. That's what I'm
5: saying.
4: <laughs> yeah, no, oh, yeah. You That's and me it. both, buddy.
5: Or, or, the the, or,
4: the one with her face hanging off, right? Or, yeah. Not yet.
5: Yeah. Or or would you or would you do it with remorse? <laughs> I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, Amber leaves, and Roddy sings a song about how he's dying, and he's going to make sure the kids regret for being so terrible by leaving all his wealth to Shiloh. So Roddy calls Shiloh on her smartwatch to tell her to meet him tonight but Nathan hears it as he's attending to her bedside, so he sets out to stop Roddy from taking Shiloh from him. Nathan heads to his laboratory, where he is accosted by some assassins whom he dispatches with immediately. Meanwhile, Roddy sends a message to Shiloh via a giant video screen outside her window to meet him at the opera for her cure, and he has sent a car for her. She gets in the limo and leaves. Nathan, seeing that she has left, resolves to keep Shiloh safe by heading to the opera as the Repo Man. Then everyone has a song about going through the opera. Amber is getting some dehydrate. Mag is preparing her final song. Nathan is killing the security that is trying to bring in the repo man. Then the opera starts, and it looks like a Panic! at Disco music video, but less catchy. Models and lingerie dance around as a rock band plays, and the audience sings the praises, literally, of Co and how Co has helped their lives.
4: And one one woman just shows her tits. I missed that part. Are you saying there's boobs in this?
5: Yeah, there is. Yeah. Oh, damn. I missed it. And I'm not going to go back and rewatch it. <laughs> and then, and, and I was going to say, I think she's also credited as just single mother. In, she, in yes.
2: The so you could look it up, yeah. I guess. Okay. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> I appreciate that. Just Google single moms tits out. <laughs> <laughs> Safe They'll search. Know. off. They'll know what you're talking about.
4: Three hundred eighty million uh, search <laughs> <laughs> search find. Yeah, and, uh, I missed and, it. And, and she's in my do area, too. <laughs>
5: <laughs> they all want to see me? Weird. And don't do it in incognito, you coward. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing to hide,
4: all right? Everyone knows who I am. <laughs> uh,
0: I mean, this is a super horny movie, and we didn't pick this this time, so... Is it? Thanks, Jonathan.
4: It, it's pretty horny. Oh, hmm. I don't know. It, it's, it's hard to say. There's a, You don't see a lot of nudity. I didn't even know there was any nudity in it. I think it, it gets... To horny places.
2: I would not call this a super horny movie, but there are Some horny moments, scenes. I guess, yeah. Yeah.
4: Jonathan, I think you just uh, found the new name for the podcast. They called this a super horny movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure.
0: That's our that's our other podcasts our, our Patreon episodes. Yeah, and... you got to pay extra for that. <laughs> and the Largos show up as well, with Roddy basically being treated as savior of the world. Shiloh gets to the opera and gets brought into a room that plays a film. There's Roddy telling her that she is so close to the cure, but the only thing keeping her from it is the Repo Man and that she will have to kill the Repo Man in order to get the cure. And then Amber starts to sing at the opera and her face falls off. Shiloh remains locked in a room with a recording of Roddy telling her she needs to bring him the Repo Man in order to get the cure. Then Blind Mag performs an opera as Roddy watches along from the side of the stage. And she ends it by singing that they could take her eyes because she'd rather be blind than continue to be an indentured servant. So she cuts her own eyes out while suspended above the stage. And Roddy cuts the rope, keeping her suspended. And she falls onto and is impaled
2: by a wrought iron fence. And she did. This is super gory. I did not remember it being that graphic.
0: Yeah, it's kind of cool. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, The curtain falls on the performance and Roddy tries to assure the audience that more is coming for the show. And Nathan as Repo Man winds up in the room with Shiloh who hits him in the head with a shovel. He takes his helmet off and she realizes that he is the Repo Man. So now she has lost all trust in her father. So she tells him he is dead to her and that Roddy has replaced him in her eyes. So she storms off and he resolves that if her dad is dead then he will continue his life as the Repo Man. So he follows after her towards the stage and he kills some security guards before Luigi slashes him in the leg and he falls, bleeding all over the stage. Roddy has the curtains pulled open so the crowd can watch the rest of the confrontation. Roddy tells Shiloh that Nathan killed her mother and then drops the bomb that she's not really sick. Nathan has been poisoning her medicine to keep her sick. Then Roddy tells her that all she has to do is kill her father and she will become the heir of Gene Co. So Luigi and Pavi freak out about hearing this and they rush to the stage to confront their father and he basically calls them worthless. So this, already, this would
5: have been the point where with all of Luigi's anger issues, I thought as soon as he found out that he hadn't signed that letter yet that he would have just killed his father.
0: That's what I thought too. I was thinking like, man, this is probably not the best time to tell these guys that they're you're planning to not let them be the heirs. I think it was bad. Yeah, I mean, that would be very, you know, this is if most a lot of operas have patricide in there, you know, it would yeah. be it would fit right in.
4: Well, that that kind of reminds me of Game of Thrones, right? The Boltons, right? Doesn't uh the the, the head of the house Bolton tell Ramsey, like, yeah, you're this newborn, he's taking over the family. Your son's a psycho. Why would you tell him that? Mm-hmm. You know, he's gonna kill you, You just sealed your fate. Roose,
5: that's his name, yes. Roose
4: Bolton. Yeah, Roose Bolton. Yep, thank you.
5: And I won't say 100% that i Saw the twist coming, but as it got more and more desperate about him, her taking her medicine, and then, all, you know, all that stuff, and trapping her in the house, I was like, what if he's, like, just, you know, lying to her? I didn't think he was, like, actually poisoning her, but, you know, mm-hmm. just doing, like, a gaslighting sort of, you know, it, uh, like, uh, brainwash situation sort of thing. Um, right. You know, like that, Rapunzel. Yeah.
0: Or, like, Tangled, yeah. right?
5: Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Mother no, Gothel. Like,
4: now, how, like how cool would it have been if the, <laughs> hold on, hold on.
0: Is, I I love, so you've said that twice before this movie it, it, there, in this podcast and the last two times it's been, how cool would it be if this movie was closer to
4: an action movie? So I'm this, curious. This is different. This is different. Uh, all right. So how cool would it have been <laughs> if the, uh, the, uh, the father, the repo man is feeding the, the uh, Shiloh, these, uh pills, because without the pills, she is a very strong psychic <laughs> boom there you go
5: Again. i think we I think we can just cut out the sigh from Jonathan <laughs>
4: <laughs> well listen i'm excuse me for trying to make this movie better <laughs> okay <laughs> you- see j- i there's no way for me to come away from this podcast without Jonathan hating it was just it no, was basically.
2: I, that's so different. I don't think you could compare the two movies. <laughs> what you're describing.
4: <laughs> well, listen, I think you do that. Listen, keep the singing. I'm all for the singing. Just throw some laser beams in there. Some psychic. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I think you got yourself a movie there. <laughs>
0: uh. So Roddy gives Shiloh a gun to shoot Nathan, but she doesn't want to shoot her dad. Then the lights go out. Roddy grabs the gun out of Shiloh's hands and shoots Nathan. Roddy then tells all his children off one last time before he collapses and dies. Shiloh comforts Nathan in his final moments, both of them telling each other that they love them, and then he dies. Then Shiloh sings a song about finally being free and leaves the opera. Then Chris Angel, Mind Freak, does a reprise of one of his songs. And then we have a mid credit sequence of the Largo children taking over Jinko, with Amber selling off her face as a publicity stunt only to be purchased by her brother Pavi. And that's the end of Repo, the Genetic Opera. It's a uh, certainly interesting. I'll say that. Yeah, I,
4: I I do give it credit for that. It's it is very unique. Yeah, it
2: definitely
0: feels like one person's tr- vision. So yeah, yeah,
2: I think um,
4: there's something to be said yeah. to that.
2: Yeah, I feel like this is a really good time capsule of like whatever subculture this is, like goth scene stuff, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. of that of this time. Like, I feel like yeah. a few years after this. That culture is very different. And a few years before this, it's also like very different. Yeah. I mean, this Ooh.
0: was the Bush administration. Man, people were feeling things. I don't know.
4: <laughs> well, we've discussed okay. on this podcast that the 2000s were just like filled with dreck. music. It was a hellscape for music and movies. Yeah. I don't know yeah, if I this mean, is,
0: yeah. I don't know if this is the, you... if the, the reason why. Uh, this movie is the way it is is because it's you know the hellscape of the 2000s but i get what you're saying jonathan about like subcultures went in different directions and they usually do it pretty quickly
4: like if if this movie and you brought up an interesting point if this movie were made earlier who would you like which band or which musician would you like to have kind of seen helmet with the at least musically
0: i guess it depends on when we're talking
4: like if we're saying 80s, Oh, 80s, The Cure. Yeah, The Cure. Interesting. Yeah. Robert Smith. Yeah,
2: yeah. This seems somewhat similar to The Crow.
0: Yeah, I feel like if yeah. people, yeah, I people that would consider this like one of their favorite movies would be like big
4: Cure fans. Interesting. Movie? Would you pick from the 80s? Um, and we're we're saying we kind of we want to kind of keep it in the the same genre, right? I would. I mean. Yeah, I would say so. I, I don't know. I didn't have an answer for that. I was hoping you guys would just. really...
2: <laughs> I have an answer. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. It. You guys mentioned um before oh. the podcast, and this does kind of remind me of Operation Mindcrime.
0: Okay, That's I'll take your word
2: for it. There or do you... Operation Mindcrime is one of Queensryche albums that is about um, that is a rock opera, and it's about a guy who's like. Uh, drug addicts, and um, being disillusioned with society and stuff
5: like that.
4: There you go. Well, what okay. about, like, like, super heavy, like a Megadeth kind of thing, or Pantera, I, or is that I, just I, that's too heavy?
5: I was going to make a Metallica joke, Dan, and then you just went sort of the same direction.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, how... The Cure, though, that's an interesting one. I would never have thought of The Cure.
5: Yeah, I, The only other closer one for me, and maybe I'm thinking slightly off, would have been maybe a Judas Priest or something, but...
0: Yeah, but The Cure is too perfect. But. Yeah. He was do Marilyn Manson. He'd be a good grape digger.
4: Yeah. There was a, oh, there was one song that did kind of sound like a Marilyn Manson song. I forget which one it was, though. I didn't, I didn't really care for it. it but it, 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 there was, it had the same kind of feel to it.
5: For some reason, there was one song, or maybe it was spread out. Maybe they did the same rhythm multiple times. But in my head, I just kept singing "Uh, Jizz uh, in My Pants.
1: <laughs> what? That I, eh, eh, eh,
5: eh, you know that part, like there's when they're trying to sing talk. Is it because you saw
4: Goth Parasilton? I don't
5: know. That's a like lonely <laughs> did That actually
4: happened to you, Mark. Did I've, you did no. that happen?
2: <laughs> I have no is idea it? what you're thinking of.
5: No, I know. I know.
2: I know what you're talking about, Mark. I know what song you mean, but I don't know how that what part of this movie you think so
5: i don't like know i don't know i i don't know i okay. i wish i could pinpoint it but <laughs> at times i started singing that in my head along with the dialogue
4: can, um, can someone explain to me what that song is Where, what is it from jizz in it's, my pants yeah yeah
5: it's it's andy sandberg on saturday night live it's a lonely yeah. island song
4: oh okay gotcha all right yeah I, I was not aware of that
5: oh there you go look it
4: up um
0: yeah that's it uh that's it for repo the genetic opera we talked it to death. Uh, Jonathan, you have any last words, or anything you want to plug? You got a new podcast coming out? Nope. Are we talk about Queens, right? Um,
1: <laughs> no. Okay. Um, I do Queens not want to be found, hour
0: with Jonathan. So I have no plugs. Okay, good. Yeah. Do not look for Jonathan, he says,
4: specifically. Forget he was on this podcast. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. So check I, us out. Uh, real quick. I think it's interesting. Jonathan is like our first listener guest. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. everyone else kind of has their own thing going on, like, like
2: a pot. I'm not saying you don't have anything going on in your life, Jonathan. You're a very <laughs> interesting man. Okay, <laughs> we went this whole time of you not liking this movie that I like, and it just now you make it personal.
4: <laughs> no, I, I, hey, I'm giving you credit where credits due, man. You're you're an interesting guy. I I fully believe that. Okay, but, so when because we've been on the Game Vault pod. And that's that's like your territory, like that, those are your stomping grounds. Now you're in our territory. You're in the movie territory. <laughs> okay, so you kind of have to bobbing and, so and weaving. Uh, yeah, you can't come in on this, dude. <laughs> okay, this is like Dan's gonna attack like a cornered uh, cat. That's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, listen, I can't be held responsible for my actions.
0: <laughs> All right. Okay. Well. I apologize for uh, Dan on this one, Jonathan. No, but that's it. Um, so check us out wherever socials, blah, 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 all that stuff. Look out for the, po- the poll on Twitter next week um, for our prom slash graduation stuff. And we're going to get out of here. So, yeah, you found us. You know where to find us. Go fuck yourselves. Um, <laughs> you, should
5: probably,
4: have you Do you tell people to rate and review the podcast? Uh, I used to. Do
5: that too. He just tells tells them not to go fuck themselves. (laughs) (laughs) It seems to be working. Our numbers are up. Yeah.
4: (laughs) That's a very bold strategy, Ant, but I like it. I know the the
0: degenerates that listen to this. They love to be hated.
4: (laughs) I think he just made some people's days with that.
0: (laughs) There you go. Repo the Genetic Opera is directed by Darren Lynn Mausman. So for Dan Aquino, Mark Myers, and our good friend Jonathan... This is Anthony D'Avecchio telling Darren Lynn Bousman, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you? Thanks for listening to They Called Us A Movie. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TikTamPod. That's T-C-T-A-M-Pod. You can also check us out on TikTok at They Called Us A Movie.